I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is Jules and Jim's Joyride. Let's change gear, move up a pace, and get into the fast lane. On this podcast, a great legend, a great friend, a great drummer, a great comedian, a great writer, a great all-round fellow. Thanks, but who's the guest? <laughs> <laughs> it is, of course, Roland Rivron. <laughs> Hello, thank you. I'm flattered by that introduction. How did you get here today? In I, a car. In a car. In a car. Yeah, my wife's. Can you remember what was your what was your first car that you ever had? First car that I drove after passing my test. Took my test five times. One of the tests I actually got lost. <laughs> it was in Denham, out in the you know the, the suburbs there, and we went down a country lane, and he t- said turn left, and I sort of bared right down this thing, and he's like, and then the bloke said, well, I don't know where we are now. We was completely lost. Also, got... it's not a good sign if I was examining, and I said turn left, and you turned right. That's yeah. already not really understanding. But you know, the road in the country, there's a road, and it sort of bears round, but then there's still a road that goes on. And he said, sort of turn right or something like that. And I thought, <clears throat> it's not a right turn. It's like we're still on the same road. Or and something you ended like up that. in Denim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Denim, of course, that's, that was, that's where all the. the uh... Silla Black. Yeah. In fact, on Sundays, me and my brother, our eldest brother, uh, Richard, he had a little, one of those old fashioned minis, you know, the Mini Cooper S, the ones that, that were like the Italian job. Yes. He had one of those. And on Sundays, we used to go and drive around Denim trying to spot Silla Black. And I mean, the oh, so the first car you were saying? Yes, first car for first you. Car. Yes, a Hillman Imp. Oh, nice name for a car, Hillman Imp. Uh, yeah, Doesn't... but it described it so perfectly. Yes, it was so small. Well, when I first met you, you were sleeping in a Jaguar. I think. Yeah, but yeah. You couldn't sleep in an Imp. No, but it, I managed worked out a way in this Hillman Imp because it had the glass back thing that opened glass, up, glass rear window. Yeah, very that nice. Yes. Up, and I could get just about get the whole of my drum kit into this Hillman Imp and I used to have a gig at the it was a pub in uh, Shepherd's Bush that I used to play every week and I was about 16, 17 I mean when, when you were on, when you were on, on, on tour with us yeah. so we had a Jaguar XJ12 saloon mm. silver with champagne interior yeah. contrasting pepper pot wheels I've pepper seen pot wheels yeah. that's right yeah, with the V12 engine that's it I and bought one exactly the same colour yes if you remember. no you were the same colour I thought you had a green one didn't yeah, you yeah light green uh, yes uh, yeah did my brother sell it to you? Yeah, I think so. Yes. No, I sold it to him. Oh, did you? And then he sold it to Chris Evans, and he gave it away on his TV show. That's right. Somebody will have that car somewhere. Yeah. Because I think it might be worth telling Jim here about your uh, how you entered the Musicians' Union. Uh, I, had to, I, was, I had to join the MU, and so I went and saw the MU bloke, you know, the governor, and it, it went in office completely piled with paper, you know, it was like a caricature. It was like from a, a, a sketch show where you go into an office where a bloke's, you know, 
uh, a pen pusher. And he, he said, right, come on, come on, son, let's fill this form out. I said, what's, what's your name? And I said, uh, Roland River. And he said, all right, okay, what do you do, drums? All right, well, right, drums, yeah. Um, what's your professional name? <laughs> I said, no, no, I'm a jazz drummer. I don't really, you don't have professional names. He said, well, I've got to fill this out. Uh, I'll put Rolando. <laughs> 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 in the MU directory. So, like, is that what you still day, are? Rolando. Day, the amazing day. Rolando. <laughs> to this day. One of the yeah. best gigs I ever saw. So this is drums and transport right. combined. Nice. I went to see Prince at um, uh, Wembley. Mm. And there's a, there was a train track that went all the way around. Sheila E was the drummer. And she was on a, a platform which was on the train track. Flat and it bed. would... Yeah, and it would go around the train track as she drummed. Yeah. As she came round past me. Right. I, I shouted, go on, Sheila. And I think she looked at me and winked. That's good. Well, that's so we, was, was Prince in the round? Is that, yeah, was, it, was he actually, in the centre? Yeah, he was in the centre. And, and what was incredible, he came on in, mm. I think it was like a, fl a floating Cadillac, singing and playing his guitar as he was in the Cadillac and then got out the door and then went and performed. Yeah. But he then did, a, he climbed up a, a pole, which was about 300 foot high, no. to the top, sang a line from the song, slid down a, another pole, and then back to the microphone, well, bang on time. We'll, we'll, we'll do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Spot on. But it was Sheila, Sheila Ree yeah. uh, playing drums on a train. But I mean, yeah. I think on a, on a smaller scale, I mean, some people, for instance, have... Um, uh, they'll have if they've got a big dining table, they might have a railway track on the dining room table, taking around the salt, pepper, yes, mustard, and I've things like that. this. You know, yeah. or cigar, <clears> end <throat> of the food, whatever. Yeah. But um, but on a, on a smaller scale again, uh, Roland, you like myself have got. Um, uh, in fact, I've got your old stuff of the Minic motorway. Oh. The motorways in the cars were the new thing. So in the 1960s, we'll have we'll, we'll sell models of cars and motorways because they're the romantic Black track with white markings down the middle. Yes, the first time before then it was only ever race track. Yes. And it suddenly... Because the Minic motor is a motorway. It was a proper... Yeah, it's a motorway. Yeah, it's a motorway. motorway services, yeah. which are glamorous places to be. Yeah. Because uh, I had the Matchbox motorised motorway, which was probably the lowest mm. end, because it was a spring that was in some tracks. Ah, yes. And if the spring got kinked, yeah. it was all over. Um, and mine got kinked on Christmas morning. Oh, really. how sad. We got our Minic motorway. Admittedly, it was second-hand from the thrift shop on the RAF camp where we lived. My mum and dad set it up behind the sofa on Christmas Eve. So when we came down, three boys, it's like, he's been. And they just pulled the sofa out and there was about eight foot of Minic motorway. My cousin had one and he had a train track and we used to um, recreate ter terrible incidents mm. with trains and cars at yeah. the crossroads. I think it's a sign of getting older that once you have these things when you're older, you just sort of reenact the, the mundane, and that's quite exciting. Anyway, look, what about uh, you know that was your 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 first car, and also you need a car um, as a drummer. You needed something that was going to fit um, a kit, a kit in the yeah. back of it. Yeah. Well, the, as I say, the imp was perfect, you know, um, <clears throat> for the job. But I did. I moved up to a uh, Ford Escort Estate oh. Blue, and I remember when. Well, I was badgering my mum and dad saying, look, we've got to get a bigger car. Because the, the, the Hillman Imp was my mum's car, really. So I said, we've got, mum, you've got to get a bigger car because I'm going, you know, I'm going up to bloody London every day and I've got a drum kit and it's, you know. And she said, oh, reluctantly, really reluctantly, she said, all right, come on, let's go and have a look at the car. And I saw in the paper, local paper, the bloke was selling this 
uh, blue um, Escort Estate. And I thought, it's just the right size. So all three of us get into my dad's um, uh, Triumph Toledo. And we go to this guy who's got four cars in the front of his garden. You know, it was, it was really sort of pants. And the, sure enough, there was this car. And we thought, oh, this is great. And my mum was really sort of, oh, well, if you must, go on then. Let's, oh, I'm not happy with this. Uh, me and my dad got in the car. Dad's driving. I'm sitting. We get 100 yards down the road. The car stops. And she can just see our shoulders going up and down like that. And then she sees my dad pull the handle of the the, the, uh, gear stick. the gear stick up in the air you can just see the silhouette of the gear stick through the back window it actually physically just came out the car and were you was it too far had you come too far to be able to go back and hand it back to the man well, with the other cars in the garden i don't know whether it was just that's how we were back then but despite that i said let's have it 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com When I was 12, I was in town shopping with my mum and dad, and coming driving past me in a Daimler was Jimi Hendrix. Really? Well, yes. That's and I good. chased down after him, and knocked on the window and he waved at back, smiled and waved back at me. Oh, Jimi Hendrix. So you'd, you'd made contact. That's and good. I told my dad, and my dad said, do you know what? The same thing happened to me when I was 12. I was riding along on my bike and I saw George Formby and stopped at the traffic lights, knocked on the window, and he smiled and waved at me and drove off. So I thought, isn't that weird? Same, we were both 12 yeah. and the same thing happened. Yes, with George. You need to quiz your Formby. kids. You need to quiz your kids and say, right, so come. Who was it when you were twelve? Well, who, when yeah. you're twelve, yes. who did you see? Yeah, oh. I saw Princess Anne. I expect in her car she'd have quite a high ceiling to yeah. contain the hair. Yeah, we did a program called The Groovy Fellas where we had a Rolls Royce with the where we cut the roof down. Yeah, we bought uh, it was uh, Tyne Tees bought a, a an ex wedding car. I seem to remember it being. I think it was. It wasn't such a bad car, but it was no, by the time we finished with it, it. Yeah, it was on its last legs, you know. Yeah. So, and we... The brakes never really worked. The root, no, and it just spewed out oil. Yes. So wherever we stopped, we, you know, we couldn't stop yeah. for very long because we made ourselves... I remember Geoffrey Archer, we pulled up outside his place opposite the Houses of Parliament where he lives in this massive um, tower block. And we pulled up and he came out and he said, right, shift that! <laughs> so as he walked out, he could see just almost constant oil dripping onto this beautiful pristine <laughs> forecourt <laughs> but yeah so we took the roof off uh, had that what lowered. you mean sawed it off yeah yes, we had the roof off. sawed off 
lowered by about six inches, nine inches. Yeah. So suddenly that made it look sort of a bit sort of dangerous. And then we had uh, Land Rover, old Land Rover wheels put on. I think so. We? And we had the bumpers, put, had, had just sort of steel bars put on with yeah. the bumpers. So it, was, it looked like a sort of a banger race had come hot rod. Yeah, it was a great nice. success, wasn't it? It was. It turned heads. And yes. um, we got a lot of police attention. Yes. I remember the police were stopping us a lot. Because I think there were some things that they'd done to it in order to make it look like that, which rendered it completely so illegal. So we were trying to look like a, a, a cool sort of lowered Mexican yeah. thing. Yeah. Yes. Did it yeah. jump up and down? No. No, it sort of rocked. Unless you got to the back end of it and started pumping <laughs> it with your hands. Yeah, but it did spew oil all over the place. I think yeah. that was one of the And who ones. saw the, the, the top off? Well, there were two fellas, I think, in a railway arch in, sort yes. of in, up, in up in Newcastle. Or, mm. Oh, no, Carlisle, wasn't it? And then we hand-sprayed it gold. Yes. With cans, didn't we? Yeah. That was another very dangerous I thing. I wonder where it is now. Quite mm. a confined space with all this aerosol yeah. going off. Well, I was told that it was in... It, it was Border Television who made it, and I was told yeah. it was in there. Somebody told me they've got it in a warehouse still somewhere. Very collectible. Oh, well, for one of the like, television, like famous people's cars. Well, it was, my dream was that we do this programme. It was me, Roland was a marshal, and I was showing him around, and we had this car. But my dream was that, 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 that somebody was going to make a sort of toy of it. And a toy of both of us, you know, like yeah, you get, yeah. oh, you got man from Uncle or James Bond in his car. It would be us with this Rolls Royce with a flattened roof. But that was just a dream. But going happened. back to the early days, also, I think just the, talking of roads, um, I believe you also had an incident with a, um, some road workers uh, um, when you were very small. Very small, yes. Uh, I was probably only about four, uh, and they were digging up the road and um, outside your house, outside the house. And back then, it, when you were four, you were allowed to just go out and, you know, play and wander and everything. Yeah. We were on an RAF camp, so it, we were sort of, you know, encased with uh, a fence. But I was with these guys, uh, these, uh, they were navvy, sort of Irish guys, I, my mum tells me. And the bloke had a sandwich. And I said, oh, well, that looks like a nice sandwich. And he said, yeah, do you, want, do you want a little bit of it? And I said, yeah. He said, well, you'll have to give me something. So I went into the house and just took this thing off the sideboard, which was my dad's really expensive watch. <laughs> <laughs> and I gave him the watch and he gave me a little tiny bit of this sandwich. And, and what happened then? I can't remember. He was, no, never, he was, was, never, see, he was never seen no, again. No, it was just like they'd moved on, you know, the sandwich was eaten, <laughs> there was no evidence, oh. no proof that any transactions Those had navigators. taken place. My granddad yeah. did this. After the First World War, my granddad got paid his money that they'd give you after for dying in the war and stuff like that so yeah he, uh, he bought a motorcycle and rode it and it went straight into a workman's pit and he said you can have that i'm done with motorbikes <laughs> and the rest of it and that was it he yeah. gave, just gave him it so work yeah working in a pit in a workman's pit in the middle of the road can be lucrative i'm very fond of a canal barge oh really yeah a narrowboat. I yeah. like those. Yeah. What sort of journeys do you... Who, who goes on the journey with the whole friend family? Of mine, a friend of mine's got one in the Hoxton Basin. Oh, yes. Um, just in Shoreditch. He lives on it, actually. It's, is he very short? He is. His name's John Kelly. He's a little tiny guy. Yeah, I think because you have to be, don't you? Yeah, you've got to be quite slim. Mm. And, you've and you know, the bed is about two and a half foot, you know, so long. It's not a big man's game, then. It's not. No. No, definitely not. And not, not with too many people. But... Um, he had this boat and we used to often he used to have to take it down to Uxbridge to get it out of water you know for stuff to be done and just meandering really slowly through uh, King's Cross 
then Camden, Maida Vale. Just seeing it all from the other side, you know, it was just lovely. And I think it's, it, it is a, the pace that you go at, mm. uh, at the canal boat is very lovely. I went on one um, from Birmingham to do the uh, the Avon Ring. It broke down underneath Spaghetti Junction. Ah, it's quite a, a sort of it's quite a highlight actually. I quite enjoyed you know enjoying motorway networks as I do. Yes, it was quite a good chance to get. So a you could just lie back and have a look. Really and lay back underneath. and look at it, put, yeah. uh, examine it properly from underneath. Really I take it in. To, yeah. to do before. Yeah. So that was nice. Um, when I first went on a barge ever, uh, a narrow boat. And this, I'd never been on one before, and the man said, well, uh, he identified me as a sort of senior fellow who was going to be doing the captaincy. Yeah. He said, uh, he said so it's perfectly simple, you steer it here, and this is the thing that goes, makes it go forward, yeah. forward and backwards. And he, had, he, was a very, he was like a 1950s reasonable bloke, is anyone I can describe him. He had like tweeds on, and, and sort of grey hair with a big comb over, and tall sort of bloke he was, and he had um, I think a little wooden woolen hat on top of the comb over, and a pipe. Nice. Which like a Sherlock Holmes type pipe. And you say it was perfectly simple. You just do it a little bit here, a bit fast, this close this it. And then what you, for the locks, this is what you do. And he started saying it and he took a step back as we were sort of pulling away at about sort of five knots and just fell backwards into the no. water up to his neck. And we were all like, we've never even been on a, one of these before. What happens now? And so we waved at him and uh, he just sort of waved us what, off. What up, as he sank he, down? As he sank down with his pipe, like a sort of a 1960s Not waving, but film. drowning. No, and, he's, and he was yeah. never seen again. No, well, we carried on on our journey. I had a lovely holiday. Wow. Do you know what, Roland? I, that's reminded me. I've got a photograph of you and I was trying to find it to bring, uh, bring it along to give, give you, which is, do you remember when we went to Christian Dior's chateau? Yeah. And I just, Bob and I turned up on our motorcycles. Oh, yes. And the first thing was you, fully dressed, stood by the swimming pool, and I got a photograph of you at 45 degrees <laughs> as you're falling backwards into the pool. Oh, nice. Excellent. That was an amazing place. And, and out of interest, so yeah, we were just talking about any other methods of transport you like. You know, we've, we've spoken about cars and... The canals, I would say, the canals. Canals work. Um, I used to like, I used to like flying before 9-11, before it was all... You know, everything was clamped down. But I, I was in uh, an Indian airport waiting for my bags to come through. And um, so there's a few bags come through. Then this really quite rickety looking coffin <laughs> <laughs> just rolled out. And, it, you know, it was it had been tossed about and mucked about with a bit. And it was just like plywood. And, you know, and I was thinking, oh, my God, just, you know, any more, uh, dis, you know, disruption of this thing. And just an arm's going to fall out or something like that. <laughs> It was so bizarre to think, oh, we'll just bung him in the hole. That'll be mm. fine. I was on a flight and it was coming out of Egypt to somewhere else more mysterious. Mm. Uh, it, was a, it was a very low quality flight. But I do remember that they had, there was goats going up and down the... Um, really? The, the, yeah, there was people with, they'd been bringing, they were bringing their goats from one place to another. But when they brought out the in-flight meal... It was a Kit Kat, but it wasn't a Kit Kat. It was a fake Kit Kat wrapped in a photocopy of a, a Kit Kat wrapper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what attention to detail. It really is good. Yeah. Yeah, Mark Arman told me once was in a flight in Russia where they loaded up all of the... The uh, like it was like it had people with the chickens and everything on the mm. plane, and they was all sort of going mad. And he got he got offered he got offered a Mars bar in the same situation. What, maybe that yes. was it. Maybe it, was, it yes. wasn't just there. And, and then was offered favours from the air stewardess. No. Yes. <laughs> So she hadn't spotted good. that he was one of the biggest gay icons in in, in, in the world at the time. But yeah, there we are. Here's um, a question. Yeah. An aircraft, a civil aircraft with passengers in, yeah. crashes right on the border of Scotland and England. Where do you bury the survivors? You don't. You just eat them, don't you? 
Do you have any idea? No. Would it be in Scotland or in, in no, England? It's, well, England. You don't bury survivors, they're alive! Oh, <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> Sinker. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, you've, I'm afraid, Mr. Riveron, yeah. you've failed the, the test. <laughs> you can, <laughs> we can't employ you at BOAC. I got the colours in the right order. <laughs> and now a message from our sponsors. Hey, Jules, what might I ask is your chief diversion? Well, I suppose it has to be cookery. How do you boil your hens? It's easy. In King Kong's good stock, made from literally hundreds of cattles. I believe you go um, you go to France sometimes, don't you? On, I do. On a, hol- on a caravan holiday. On a regular I, basis. I, well, we'll discuss that. I should just share with you, there's a friend of mine, who I'm not gonna, I, I shan't name him for the purposes of this, but he went with his family driving down to, the, down to France for their holiday every year with two small children. Yeah. And anybody will know with two small children, it get a bit tiring for the child. You know, they just have a stop and have a run around and they were getting more and more fractious in the car. Can we stop them? Please, can we stop? We've been driving for six hours now and they will have, have a far day there now. So all right, we'll stop here, and what we said, me and Mum will get a cup of coffee, and you can play. There's got a little children's play area there. You can play there for a bit, and we'll just get a cup of tea. Mm. And there was like a little sand pit where they could all play around. He said, "No, we came. We got a cup of coffee, and the two children are playing in the sand pit, and all these people are looking at them a bit strangely, and looking at their parents. And it was in fact the place where the you're supposed to stop and let your dog have a shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lovely. Anyway, I don't Lovely. know if you experienced that at all, but you do no. go and caravanning is a part of your. Uh, yes, very much so. Yes, we've got a caravan down in Biritz. In the south of France, on the Atlantic coast. It's, How lovely. Yeah. Is, when you say a caravan, do you drive the caravan down there? I used to. used to tow the bastard down um, with three kids in the back, and it was just a nightmare. So now we leave it in storage down there. It's a big twin-axle, six-berth... Um, giant caravan. Yeah, and we, we've customised it, you know. We ripped the floor up, and mum got this pink rubberized floor, and we've got Liberty Print things and oh, so it's like a luxury home yeah and we've taken out all the flowery curtains and all that and just got wooden blinds you know because it was always going to be near the beach you know it was, was sort of creating a, a beach hut so it's, i love it when people do people get caravans and turn them into something fiddle about with them yeah like peter richardson the you know peter, yeah have you seen his the trailer thing no. it's like a ship he's it's all like wooden paneled with right. port holes yeah in the back. so it is like a ship, and up, it's like an upside down ship. How lovely! And yeah. I love it. I think a caravan is lovely. I used to have a nice showman's living wagon, and that's very nice. It was like being in a I don't think I nearly bought it off sh- you. And it was tall because he had a tall hat, you told me. That's right. That's right. That one did, yes. Didn't, didn't Norman love it living it? He did for a while. It's quite much more to co- say. Much more. But did Norman love it living it? It does. <laughs> this is quite hard to say. Um, uh, but it was, it was, um, the, the great thing about the showman's living room, it had a lovely great big range in it, and it was like being a little, it was like being in sort of Sherlock Holmes' sort of parlour or something, yeah. a little panelled room and a little panelled bedroom with a very high bed. Um, uh, Not very so much a parlour, more like in his wardrobe. Yes, his wardrobe, a little bit small and panelled and mirrored and yeah. sort of thing, very cosy, little oil lamp. And of course, there's a difference between a caravanist and a caravanite. A caravanite? A caravanite and a caravanist, and the caravanist... What about a caravaner? Well, we'll get to that in a moment. But the caravanist yeah. is somebody that does it for pleasure, much like yourself. Whereas a caravanite is somebody who lives, who, who has it as their lifestyle, and they live in it. Right. So that's. And a caravan is a, is a procession of of things, things, isn't it? Camels. Yeah. Yeah. So a caravanite is the one that comes down from the roof, and a caravanite right. is the one that comes <laughs> exactly. up from the floor. <laughs> <Caravanite>. <laughs> Precisely. You've got it. So yes, I think we've clarified so, that. So you just think stalagmites and stalactites. Yeah. Tights come down or tights go up? Ah, you see. 
Tight. Mics go up. Tights, Tights come, down. come down. I think it was because when you're schoolboy, that's what you'd like the idea of you'd happening. You prefer the idea of tights coming down. Yeah. And my, was it was mites going up? I don't get that one. No. I think once you cornered the fact that the tights were coming down, that's, it you was a right given then, yeah. that the other one would be the the, the the mite. Yes. Yeah. How did we end up there? Mm. I don't know. You took us there <laughs> on, a, on a strange journey. Caravan a strange, yeah. strange, strange <clears throat> So what map. am I then, Jules? What? Uh, you're a caravanist because you're doing ah, it for pleasure. Yeah. You're, you're, you, it's not your chosen lifestyle to live in it, as no. it would be, uh, or, uh, or you know, just a lifestyle. Your, your yes. lifestyle, you know, to like okay. if you're a showman or something like. Can this. I just at this uh, juncture point out that I think this chair could give way under my ungovernable mass. Right, <laughs> really, quite soon. Yeah. Should we replace it with another? No, I jet? think it'll probably I, I it'll last it, for the to the for the duration of this. Be, yeah. It would be a podcast first to actually sort of record that moment Can when you the your your, your, yeah. your, un, your uninsurable girth like crashes onto the floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my ungovernable mass. Yeah. My <laughs> incredible bulk. Your girth. <laughs> the king's girth. Somebody told me about that. The king's girth. Well, that, no, that's, well, that's, that's what I call my belt. That's his his waist, <laughs> and then ten foot out from that, the girth around there is something like the king's immediate circle of friends and trusted advisors. Then right. out of that is the ten. The, the next sort of belt around is his mm. outer ward and the court, and the next circle is his sort of orchards and flocks and things. And the next well, one out is his outer lands and fields and so the forth. The width of a thumb is who is it? Was it Edward? One of the kings. That was an inch or something. Didn't it was that's an inch, yeah. and from your from his nose to his the end yard. of his thumb is a yard. Yeah. So his girth, his belt. I don't know. Henry VIII's belt would be a mile. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. You got it. Yes. Yeah. Well, quite a nice thing to maybe uh, resurrect in these trying times. You know, uh, sort of boundaries. Yes, around people. Uh, nice to have boundaries. I think is a very important, a very, a very important thing. Actually, yeah. yeah. Going back to your caravan, because I do mm. like the sound of this. You, so at first, you would drive it down, tow it. We tow it, but we, 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 I pick it up in Cambridge, <clears throat> uh, and we tow it down to either Plymouth or Portsmouth. That's quite a long way to go. Plymouth was a long. That was a long haul, and then we'd get it onto a, a, um, a ferry, twenty-four hour ferry, uh, and that would take us to Santander or Bilbao in northern Spain. And then we'd just drive about 150 miles round the top of northern Spain into the bottom left-hand corner of France and 20 miles inland up the coast, Biritz. Gorgeous place. Is this with a car- towing a caravan? Yeah. yeah. No, what you only did? You only did it once. No, no, I used to do it. We're, we've been going there for 18 years. Did you leave any special licences to tow a caravan? No, you go and take a little test for an afternoon where you just reverse this very small caravan over a load of bollards. And then, then the bloke says, right, yeah, you're okay. Uh, you, didn't, you didn't get lost with him like you did with your examiner? No, no. Although, coming back one day, one year, from Biritz, with this massive, great, big, twin berth, you know, it's the biggest caravan you could buy at the time, uh, took a wrong turn in and went into uh, the town of Bilbao. Uh, and they've got the Guggenheim Museum there, haven't they? Yeah. The only place I could actually turn around, because uh, Bilbao is just a criss- crisscross match of, of roads like that, and it's really difficult. The only place I could turn around with the caravan was in the car park of the Guggenheim Museum. So, uh, so you were pe- making a, literally an exhibition of yourself. Yes. I mean, all these people were sort of looking, thinking, what, what idiot 
comes to the comes to park in the Guggenheim Museum with a caravan. You know, you fool. And I was just waving, smiling, and just doing it because it's quite a big car park. So I could do a really gentle, you know, big swerve. Yeah, and come back out the other <laughs> side. But that was a bit touch and go. So this was, it must have taken you about a week to get there. No, it took... By which time you say, it's time to go back, turn round, yes, we're off no, home. What the beauty of it was, because you're on a, a campsite, it's a, it was about 12 quid a day. So we could go for a month. So we'd get yeah. down there and the kids would just have the whole of the summer holiday, basically, down there. Lovely. So it was gorgeous. Yeah, Lovely. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. And you've got the freedom. If you think, well, actually, I'm getting a bit bothered about what I'm... When I said, Bill Bear, what I meant was... Paris, yeah. You just get in the caravan, drive to Paris, pitch up with you and, and yeah. stay there for a few days. You could, you could. We didn't, but you could. No, <clears throat> we're very much pitch up, set it all up, set it all up like you know we live there. So we we we, we start we start to be a we start off as a caravanist and we become a caravanite. Yeah. When I first met you, um, Jules introduced you to me. The very first time I met you, you were introduced as the Gypsy Prince. Yes. To me. Yeah, Rolando the Gypsy Prince. Yes. Yeah. Well, there we are. So we full circle back to yeah. MU. Rolando, yeah. the Gypsy Prince, yeah, that performing was, tonight. <laughs> yes. But that was primarily because I was um, setting bangers off on my head yeah. at the end of drum solos. Yeah. Um, People loved it. You know, it went down ever so well. Yeah. No, it was it was a marvelous. He, he was, I think, I have to say, and I say this with sincere admiration. I think Roland was one of the most dangerous people in show business. The show business has ever known. <laughs> But, Some, yeah. You know, he's endlessly... The inventor of, of the centre parting. And <laughs> <laughs> how did it Bangers. Yeah. <laughs> Juggling rockets. Yes. That was good. Yeah, you juggled rockets. You used uh, to put five rockets between your fingers, get them all lit, wait until they're ready to go, let go, and they'd all go up, and I'll say, I will now juggle these rockets. <laughs> And just wait. <laughs> <laughs> it was very good. It on live television. Have you ever done fire eating? No. I did that, that once. That sounds dangerous. Oh though. yeah, it is dangerous. Yeah. Don't breathe in. No. Yeah, I did it in someone's backyard once. Never again. Anyway, yeah. what is the ideal uh, refreshments or dinner to have on a long journey or in your caravan? Mm. Oh. Well, the ideal refreshment can pretty much be anything. I mean, Mon's partial to a bit of Prosecco. In fact, a bottle uh, of an evening. Whilst you're travelling? Yeah. In the back seat. (laughs) Whilst travelling through France, you might be able to back this up. I was driving down to, on a skiing trip somewhere, and stopped off at a roadside cafe and got a sausage, which was fluorescent orange. Oh, the brightest sausage. Yeah. I, I suspect it was a kind of, of Savoy, but it was mm. absolutely fluorescent orange. Are you sure that it was not um, part of the sort of uh, emergency services? What, uh, an arm ex- ch- a chair leg? Like yes. It? No, it was a, a sausage. I've never seen a sausage that I, colour. I've, I've just remembered. <clears throat> this, per- this dovetails perfectly. Um, I, in my early youth, when I was jazz drumming, went and did a residency in Paris with uh, Nick Weldon on piano, Faye Weldon's son, a very good pianist, jazz pianist, and Erica Howard. It was the three of us. It was in the uh, Blue Ford Escort estate. So I was driving, Nick was in the passenger seat because he spoke fluent French. Um, My drum kit uh, was, and his um, Fender Rhodes were all somehow inside the estate car. And like you see in films, a massive great big double bass on the roof 
Nice. Uh, uh, nice. You know, cabled on like that. And we drove all the way to Paris. We played for a couple of weeks, three weeks there at this residency. On the way back, we had to get to the uh, boat, Calais, at about five in the morning, six in the morning. So that meant we finished the gig at one and just in our, but we used to wear uh, tail suits and all that, you know, very smart. Just put all the stuff in the car and I just drove from Paris to Calais in one go with a bottle of Cointreau stuck between my legs that I just drank constantly while we drove <laughs> from Paris just to keep me awake impossible. and to keep me going. Yeah. What happened to the double? I thought something was going to happen to the double bass. No, yeah. no, no, that was fine. But I drank a whole bottle of Contro in the journey. <laughs> I think I'm admitting to great criminal acts. <laughs> but no. it was all right because we were in France. Yeah, and I was on the wrong side of the road anyway. <laughs> well, on that bombshell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Out of interest, just a final thought. Any, what would be your dream vehicle? I mean, if it was a caravan or. A, a boat or any any what would be your dream vehicle do you know i'd go back to the the pepper pot v12 uh jaguar mm. that was I, I don't think i've ever sat in anything more comfortable and anything so rewarding you know a lot of wood a lot of leather a lot of width yes and not very many miles to the gallon yes exactly and would you have been would you would it be your one or my one that you were sitting in the back of? It would have been the one I'd stolen from you, yes. Yes, OK, just checking. Thank you very much for letting us know. It's been marvellous having as our guest here this evening, the wonderful Roland Riveron. Thank, thank you, Roland. Thank you so much. Where's my fee? Well, what a lovely treat to have Roland Riveron it, here. Oh, yes, it's always a treat to have Roland. It, it, it's always. I mean, what a he's great drummer, um, a great uh, motorist, as it's turned out. Uh, yeah, a, um, a caravanist. A caravanist and a caravanite. Uh, yeah, and a caravaneur. Uh, a caravaneurist. Carav- yes. Carnivore, the lot. And, of course, you can then um, subscribe to these podcasts. Is that right? Yes, which would mean that, essentially, you'd have them in your bathroom and the other... Or in your caravan. Or in your caravan. Yeah. Uh, they could be piped in permanently, but not into your main areas of the house, just the ancillary areas, like bathrooms, kitchens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, an annex. An annex, but not your through lounge. Yeah, quite right. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.